This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome to episode 29 of the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. It is our mission to bring every dad home, and I appreciate that you're taking an hour out of your day to listen to this story because it's a good one. Part of what we do here in the podcast is we share in a big piece of humble pie. We bring everyday dads, just like you and me, to recognize that we aren't alone in the thoughts that we're having as a dad, as a veteran, as an active duty member, that these are thoughts that aren't meant to be held in silence in our head. And it's one of the reasons why we started a Facebook group for the podcast. The link is down there in the show notes because I'm a firm believer that we weren't meant to do life alone. We spent 3,000 years on this earth in tribes. And somehow in the last 100 years, we've transitioned to a society that believes we have to do life alone. And I ultimately believe that's what's holding a lot of veteran and active duty dads back because we have a tribe of brothers when we serve, but we don't understand how to take that same tribe mentality and build it within our family. And even build it as if you transition as a civilian, that there are things that you need to have and a solid tribe of good, solid men around you is one of those. If you're not following me on socials, my Instagram handle is Ben underscore Colloy. Go ahead, drop me a DM if you have any feedback for the podcast. The podcast also has a handle at Military Veteran Dad. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter at, at Ben Colloy. You can subscribe to our blog on the website, MilitaryVeteranDad.com. And without further ado, I really want to just get this episode started because it really is that good. And Chris shares a great story about being a dog trainer, a dad. And ultimately going through his first divorce in, in uh, while he was serving. So it has a lot of different layers to the onion. Then we peel them all back. And hopefully this brings a few dads home. Today in the podcast, we have Christopher Beatty. is an OIF, OEF, Veteran Marine Corps dog trainer and kennel master with three combat deployments, one civilian deployment, and two additional overseas deployments with working dogs. He has over 16 years of dog training and handling experience, currently a certified dog trainer, an evaluator, and service dog instructor. Beatty is proficient in animal behavior, obedience training, and kennel management. Beatty was awarded the Top Dog Award while attending Military Working Dog Handling Course at Lakeland Air Force Base. He was also studying Israel under the Israel Defense Force, OCA's dog program with three other Marines and five SSDs. This was the one deployment and civilian canine career have prepared him for developing and implementing operations at Semper Canine Assistant Dogs. Beatty specializes in mobility, psychiatric alert service dogs, and enjoys being able to connect with veterans. 
and help them regain confidence and independence. Beatty has recently been awarded the Red Bandana Hero of the Year by American Heroes Channel and a Washingtonian of the Year by Washingtonian Magazine. Chris, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Go ahead and describe a little bit what your family looks like right now and give us any gaps that intro you want to fill in. Yeah, my, my, uh, my wife and I went to high school together. We were in a Marine Corps Junior ROTC program. We weren't, we didn't date in high school. We, we were, you know, she was my, uh, admin officer and I was the commanding officer in our senior year of, of high school, but we, uh, re- reconnected, uh, later, later in life. She went off to college. I joined the Marine Corps. Um, we, we have five children, uh, aged about to turn 15 down to, uh, 19 months old, I believe. You really got the full uh, spectrum there. Yeah. Uh, three girls and two boys. Uh, it's, it's busy. Uh, having all five of them, uh, at events and things is, is helpful managing the other children because yeah, they can kind of uh, help raise each other almost when you got five yeah i mean i've got a little older. expanded uh fire team to help me get stuff done <laughs> i like that what uh there's a part of having that uh that many kids is there i've had the same heart on my or same idea to try to go bigger i've got three how did you break the barrier at three because i feel like three is the golden number in america and very few people cross that border. So did you have a similar struggle at three, decide to go for four, or is it all in and you ended up getting five? With no, my, my wife and I, are, we're a blended family. Uh, I have uh, two daughters from a previous marriage. So when I say we have five children, meaning we, we manage the, our ah. five children. We, we have three together uh, and I have two daughters from a previous uh, marriage, uh, which happened during the Marine Corps as well. Um, so it's, it's a lot, um, uh, you know, I would say because ours is such a huge gap, um, once all the, uh, and Amanda and I moved up, started separate canine, we, we stumbled across our fourth child, uh, uh, that was, un- it was unexpected, but it wasn't, we didn't, I didn't have any plans to have any more children. Um, and then Abram came along, uh, and then, uh, but three years later, so did, uh, Ava. So it came to the point where now we've decided that that is it. We'll be in our fifties when they get out of high school. So we got a, there's a cutoff there. And I think that's what for us, it was deciding yeah. on where well, we, we started having, we had kids at young ages. So, uh, realizing that there was a, a period of time where we we're going to be in our twilight years and probably don't need to still be raising teenagers. You didn't get remarried until you were out of the Marine Corps. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I was, uh, was married for the bulk of my, uh, bulk of my career, uh, and then got out and got divorced and Amanda and I, um, married, uh, in 13, 2013, <laughs> something like that. It's good enough. You've got enough kids to cement it and you don't need to remember the year. Yeah. Birthdays kill me. Uh, we have such a, everybody's birthdays are st- uh, stretched between September and no- November, we're all piled in with in, with twos. I'm the second. She's the tenth, and the twenty second, and the twenty. That sounds the like twenty second, twenty fourth. Times, all sprinkled in. Then we have one July fifth. His fifteenth birthday is coming up soon. So it's he's the oldest. So uh, he's in Army ROTC in his uh, high school, going into his sophomore year, and then our uh, oldest daughter starts her freshman year of high school this year. Nice. You've really got a well-seasoned perspective of a lot of different things then. 
yeah, a bunch of different kids, you know, uh, a blended family. Uh, you know, Amanda and I grew up in, in the same type of, of lifestyle. Um, you know, she was a career, a college girl and I was a Marine. So it, it worked out better. Uh, you know, that, that we have very, very similar upbringings, a very, very similar tastes and we both have the same demeanor and the same intelligence level. So it's a, it's, it's a nice. And then all the children kind of range, uh, from quiet and, and, uh, a, you know, quiet and intelligent and uh, outspoken and think, you know, doesn't think as fast as they speak uh, and, and managing a business. I think we, you know, what's the bonus about, um, you know, husband and wife working together is we get to show our children success and we get to teach life lessons. And, and really the bonus is we get to work on our own schedule and even work from home. Um, we mm-hmm. do a lot of, a lot of travel and a lot of moving around here in the, um, the DMV, but uh involves a lot of uh, long hours just at home, managing children and meetings and a lot of podcasts, you know, phone interviews and in-person interviews. So it's, we get to show them, you know, success, uh, you know, set the example for them. Um, but see that the life takes a lot of effort. So having so much perspective on a lot of different uh, stages of life, either from your first marriage, second marriage and having a blended family, the first question we always ask dads is what does it mean for you to come home? I'd like to maybe t- change it slightly and say, what did that mean to you in your first marriage? And how has that changed since your second marriage? When uh, my first deployment was in 2004 um, with a military working dog, you know, I was uh, engaged to my, my ex-wife at the time. Um, you know, I found out shortly after I was given the opportunity to deploy, uh, you know, ask if I was willing to, to volunteer, if you will, and go, go on these first missions with a dog team. Um, and you know, it was finding out that she was, she was, uh, pregnant, uh, and then doing the entire first deployment, knowing she was pregnant and dealing with all that. And, you know, we weren't married. So it was, you know, there was a lot of what ifs and, you know, scenarios that go in my head and then coming home and, you know, I just missed the birth of my, uh, my first, my first, my oldest daughter, um, by, 36 hours or something like that. And, oh, man, that, and that. then, and then coming back and, you know, this was early on in the war, I had combat leave and I had, you know, a little bit of downtime, but because of where I was stationed and the, the, the way the Marine Corps was expanding into combat operations and units were getting downsized from, you know, admin positions and even military, and I was a military police officer with a, with a dog uh, with it, you know, I was, I got, came back from that first deployment, got promoted to kennel master and they were downsizing the MPs at my base. So I had to be a watch commander. I had to be a, you know, I had to be a father to a newborn infant, you know, and I had to commute every day and I was working, you know, six, seven days a week. And it was almost impossible to try to juggle, you know, that work schedule coming back from a deployment. And knowing that and really never got a chance to get off the ground. It didn't. Um, you know, it really came down to, uh, you know, mission accomplishment over troop welfare. You know, I had a, I had a job to do and, you know, I had Marines that, that counted on me. And, it, and of course I was dealing with all the struggles of, you know, a, a Marine just coming back from a combat deployment. And I had no, there was no, no, I don't remember much of a transition. And you know, I remember taking little PowerPoints and attending little seminars that you had to post deployment, but it was get back into work, keep your mind busy. And, and Hey, we got, we got stuff to do still. And, and the rest of the Marine Corps is still deploying. Um, How old were you in that year? It's 20, 22, 23. I think I turned, uh, 
Yeah, I turned 23 on deployment. Uh, 22 so year old Marine, and most older. Marines think we own the world at 22, so I can only imagine. <laughs> I was a newly promoted sergeant too, and I, you know, I got promoted pretty quickly to, to you know, to, to NCO. Uh, I picked up sergeant at E5 in, in three and a half years, and, and because of my job as a as a dog handler, you, you get promoted out. So I like to be a dog handler. I like to be in a team leader, you know, and, and sergeant and staff sergeant are, are relatively the same positions, you know, trainer versus kennel master. And, and so I got to do both of those for, you know, the final two and a half, three and a half years of my career, which included three more deployments. <laughs> but, uh, so coming back, you know, and then, um, you know, I finished up my career, still only had the the one older daughter, but, uh, getting out of the Marine Corps and the transitions was super, super difficult. And, you know, and then trying to find a job, uh, you know, during the, the, the financial crisis that we went through in 2008, 2009 was, was terror. But luckily the government was still pushing on and I could get government contracts, but that included a lot of work and, and even in another deployment, which is when I ended up going to Afghanistan for a year and, and midway through that came back uh, on leave and, uh, my wife got pregnant with our second daughter. Um, and then it wasn't long after that, finishing up that deployment, coming back and then jumping right back into another government contract that there's no way I can, I can do all this. I, you know, I'm working two jobs, you know, seven days a week, uh, trying to manage two daughters and, and she got fed up with it that, that I still had that mission accomplishment over two peripheral mentality and was, was not afforded the opportunities to, to spend time with the family and, and still make the money that were required that the family required, you know, and I could easily say that she required, but you know, that the running that family in Northern Virginia required. So the marriage deteriorated pretty quickly. And, and, um, you know, and I got, I'd spent the next two years for the most part, trying to keep busy with work and, and build a good resume and a portfolio and, and still be active as much as I can with my children and, and, and her trying to, you know, my ex-wife, you know, trying to find, find her place in the world. She was a stay at home mom, you know, for my entire, uh, our entire marriage in the Marine Corps. And, and then all of a sudden she's, you know, placed in a situation where she has to, you know, support children and help, help, uh, cover the financial workload and the time, um, mm -hmm. that comes to kids entering grade school and enter, entering, uh, elementary school. And, uh, luckily for me, I was able to kind of busy myself and, and crafting, uh, you know, my ability to, to train a dog to do literally anything that, you know, take that dog to the best of its ability, no matter what the, what the job is. And, and then, uh, re you know, I wouldn't say rekindling, but uh, kind of stumbling upon a relationship with, you know, a high school friend, uh, you know, that turned into, you know, you know, uh, something I was missing uh, in my personal career. And that was, you know, uh, you know, a wife that supported my, my ambitions and supported me. And it, to her, she knew a paycheck wasn't what I wanted to do and what I wanted to provide. I wanted to provide a, a legacy for my children. Um, something to, that I'm able to set the example to them and, and be able to blend a personal and professional life. And, and that's what Amanda uh, is for me. She's, she's, I call her the mitochondria of the family cell or even separate canine. She keeps, she's the powerhouse. She keeps us going and keeps us, keeps the energy there and keeps it fun. Um, what woke you yeah, up to that word? Captain, legacy? But, but, was, uh, there, was there one event that woke you up to that word legacy? Yeah, I think uh, probably when we, we 
uh, as the, the nonprofit, uh, we pilot programmed uh, how, how large we could take the organization. You know, we did three expansions in three years, um, you know, going from three to six dogs a year up to 10 to 20, which is where we currently are. And then we purchased, uh, you know, three, uh, 34 acres um, right outside of Marine Corps Base Quantico to, and we spent, and we've spent the last, and this was two years ago this month. Um, and we've spent the last two years, uh, seeing how, you know pilot program how large we could take it and and really de uh, developing developing an animal assisted therapy program um you know and and just you know building plan you know developing plans for a facility to house you know uh, to train and uh, a large amount of service dogs up to 48 service dogs each year you know and then anywhere from i'd say 50 to 100 veteran families uh, in our family integration program uh, and then showing them, providing data, you know, fine crafting, uh, you know, the type of assistance dogs that Sipper Canine is providing and, and producing top of the line uh, service dogs for disabled veterans and their families. And, and what I have called what I, you know, affectionately call mental health mobility service dogs. Uh, you know, I think I'm probably the first uh, organization that has provided that specialty of service dog that's crafted for a general demographic of transitioning veterans and disabled veterans coming from all branches of service, all types of disabilities and all errors, all ages, all MOSs and all combat or non-combat experience. And that's what has kind of become my legacy at Camp Silver Canine, you know, is, you know, we're show my children, you know, uh, in a, your school of hard knocks uh, model that hey this is how you run and you know run a business this is how you're successful this is how you manage people and time and it even brings out that that old that old school farm mentality of you know grow your own food you know mm -hmm. survive on your you own your own life yeah make make a life that you want don't be don't be just another cog in the wheel that you're driving off to some job that you hate and working for some boss that, you know, doesn't respect you and, you know, and ending up with a resume that talks, you know, how good you are at managing numbers and money. And, you know, that's not, that's not a legacy. And to me, a legacy is, you know, the family name that Simper canine name has, has value to it within the community. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I joke around with my children, you know, uh, you know, are you the most famous person in your school? Uh, because he's been on TV, he's been on, you know, interviews as well. He's been in on red carpet events and he's got to speak to a couple of, you know, minor celebrities and things like that. And, but we live in a small town and, and I, my wife and I grew up in a small town and, you know, to be a, to be a big fish in a big pond, I think is what, what legacy means to me. Um, you don't have to be great at what you do, but you know, there's value to your time. There's value to your, you know, the, the product that you put out in the industry that you work and live in. Mm -hmm. And also just how you prioritize. If we could go back a little bit, uh, what advice would you send back to your old self in those years of your first marriage that maybe another dad needs to hear? Ambition is, uh, is a good question. So if I could go back to 25 year old me, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, finishing up his Marine Corps career, deciding on what to do, it, it, it was, you know, don't focus on now. Think about five years from now. Think about 10 years from now. I didn't have a, I didn't set clear and, and concise short-term and long-term goals. I 
was probably more ambitious than I would had the maturity and the, the in, intellect for. Um, so to be honest, if I go back and tell that person, I'd think, think a little bit more about decisions that you're going to make, you know, don't chase after money. Don't, don't try to, don't try to make other people happy. You know, think about, Hey, it might suck now and it might be difficult now, but will it get you someplace where, yeah, is this where you want to be? Do you want to be doing this in five years? And, and is this decision going to take you where you want to be in five years? Or is it going to take you off the path that in three, four, five, or 10 years, you're going to be trying to get back on this path. And that's, I think that that would have probably been really good advice for me to hear. And, and, uh, you know, the, raise, raise these children, be, be an example of these ch children that, that uh, you're not able to do if you're working as much as you, you are. And money it is, sounds like money a little bit you were very ambitious and you were running very fast and very successfully, but you were running towards things you really didn't know what you were running towards. You were just running for the sake of running. Because that's kind of what I think you felt like. Exactly. You, I, I chased deployments and I chased, uh, you know, challenges and new things when I should have been adapting myself a little better to be successful where I currently am versus looking for something better. I was too worried about the grass on the other side of the fence and, mm -hmm. you know, not enjoying where I was. Um, and, you know, and I, I missed a lot, you know, I was able to, you know, I'm able to do what I, I am and I am where I am now because of good or bad decisions that I made. Uh, but, you know, as a father, you know, I wasn't setting an example of, being a father, I was setting an example of being a, maybe a good workman, you know, a good citizen, a good, you know, uh, maybe a good provider, but a provider, yeah, a good provider, but I wasn't, we have to play. Yeah. I wasn't teaching my children how to be a, you know, what a good, I wasn't setting an example of what a good parent was. I was setting a, maybe a decent example of what a provider is. And, and yeah. here's what hard work looks like. And here's what devotion looks like, but you're not, I'm not, I'm not directly teaching that it was very indirect and, you know, kind of, you know, the bills are getting paid, the lights are on, you know, he mm -hmm. comes home at night, you know, sometimes, you know, or he's gone for months at a time. And I know he's doing stuff great for other people, but what, what has he done lately for this family? And that was probably something that I should have been aware of then uh, that luckily Amanda does a good job about making me aware of now that, you know, the kids are watching and, you know, be involved and, really enjoy the time you have. I was, I spent too much of my twenties trying to be 30 years old and have the maturity of a 30 year old, learn as much as I could and be a successful, you know, as a 30 year old, but did not learn all the, the things you learn with just the time of, you know, cleaning up the dog poop, if you will, and, and doing the, doing the work that gets you there. But I got a lot of responsibility at a young age and, and, probably wasn't the best timing you know i was a late bloomer growing up and i think uh you know it, my maturity took it took my late 20s to actually catch up to where i should have been as a as a good sergeant and staff and co and and i probably wasn't the best example um to my peers and my children but you know hopefully i'm doing that now and it's just a, hopefully they don't make the same same mistakes i did in my 20s it's a good example of it's never too late to come home no matter how many roads you might have taken as a dead end, there's always a road that's waiting for you to come home to your family. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely could have, but it took some humility and, and 
providing a strong home front instead of just a strong defense, you know, making sure it's we're defending something they actually want to stay in and we want to live in. And it took to, it took some humility and, and uh, putting play in my place and having difficult times financially and professionally to, to say, Hey, you know, you don't have to be great at, you know, really anything, just be great at who you are. And that's really what I came home to was knowing that, this family and this, this legacy that I want to live and, you know, the example I want to set my children, that is me being present now and, and leaving my past behind and, and being the best person I can now and going forward. I like that. Leads us into our, our next favorite question to ask, what are some of the simplest things your kids love doing with you that you're always like, you can't believe that's what they want to do with you? Probably, probably something related to dogs since you're dog trainer. Learning is, I think, a, a big thing in our household. You know, we, we, we very rarely have just quiet non-family time. If we're all together, we're, we're probably doing something. And it may be, you know, we play little games. My daughter, my oldest daughter loves to play trivia. And it'll be, it'll be you know, asking things about people in the family. And, hey, who knows what everybody's favorite color, color is? And who can, you know, recite what their favorite movie is or books or Hey dad, what year was this? What dog was this? And Hey, what, you know, when we lived here and we went visited these things. So there's a lot of, my daughter loves playing trivia uh, with all the kids and, and uh, my oldest son, um, he loves to do a lot of just teenage boy stuff, shooting guns and exploring and hiding and doing new things and zip lining and stuff like that. Where, where my daughter seems to be more of a sponge and learning about stuff when my oldest son wants to just do anything. So we, just, we do a lot of things learning. as a family. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of things as a family, you know, and we try to be active and, and, you know, we're, we try to be a, a fit family and, and an involved family, but we really, if, if, if as a family, if we like to do anything is just to attending community events together. And that's what Cibra canines, you know, a lot of their programs get us the ability to do is get out there and go to, we've got the 4th of July parade coming up. You know, we go to all my son's ROTC events. My, when my daughter, um, she goes to a Catholic school when they have, you know, uh, you know, educational and religious ceremonies and, and different events that they do. We, we try to be involved in that and fundraising for the schools and, you know, any kind of family thing that we can do just to be involved. I think that's really what our family enjoys to do. And, and, we probably make it unique. We sneak off in the woods and our property and, and do just goof around in the woods a lot, learning about different things, whatever we can. And that's what a lot of what we spend our time doing. I like that. And in 2019 where people are moving further and further apart, having those threads in your fabric of your legacy, where doing life together as a family, I can only imagine how those threads will weave into their life of how they incorporate their role as a father or a mother of how coming together is how we feel the most as a family. Yeah. I love, I love watching old farm movies or, or with the kids or, you know, like old yeller and, you know, Robs Caruso and all those old movies that my, my parents and, and I grew up on our children love to watch. And we kind of, they went down to the Creek and built a teepee the other day after watching Robs Caruso or something like that. And things like that. I love just for them to do and, you know, things that I did as a kid versus, you know, of course I have to combat with video games and, and movies and, and luckily our children aren't, they're not real big phone people or, or iPad. They kind of watch them, but you know, they, they do things. And my son, 
randomly will get a, a, a spark and, you know, wild hair and he'll clean the entire basement, which is weird sometimes. And, and it, like this, he cut his grass, the entire front yard on the lawnmower today for the first time. And without any kind of requesting, it was just, he was bored and, Hey, I want to, can I cut the grass? You know, sure. So yeah. Who would have to turn that down? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, I, I like cutting the grass and I like doing the yard work, but I don't, there's only so many hours in a day. I joke around with Amanda and everybody I work with that I wish there were eight out eight days a week and 30 hours in a day because I could get so much more done. But, you know, and we center everything around, you know, the, the veteran lifestyle and the, the, the community, the philanthropic, the, you know, homeowner, or excuse me, the, uh, the, you know, business owner mentality and, you know, enjoy your, your free time when you can because, you know, work hard now so you can play hard, hard later and do enjoy things with the family. And even if it's, you know, cleaning up the yard, cleaning up the basement or watching a movie and building a teepee, I'm, I'm hoping they're, they're learning, you know, things that I learned that, you know, make me successful now. And really, I just want to set an example of, you know, a, a happy life. Mm -hmm. I've talked about a lot in the podcast where I feel like, what parents don't do really well these days is getting their kids out of their life. Like just going to school for 12 years, isn't going to make them know what they want to do for the rest of their life. And I like what you're talking about because you're just exposing them and getting them to love life in different flavors. Because so many of us are, are told to love one flavor of life. And then you have to try to figure out how to love something you really don't love. And I love how you're incorporating adventure and outings and just, getting your kids to think outside of their head just to, for who they are, because I feel like that's what sets them up for better success when they get out of high school, that they already know who they are and hopefully can start to piece together of how they fit in. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing I was, I was an awkward teenager. Um, my wife wasn't, uh, and I probably learned the hard way how to be mature and how to grow up and, and they get to see, uh, you know, the calm and cool collective me versus the hot-headed and crazy one. And my wife is definitely the more even-killed one, but the first one to get upset when everything's wrong. So they get to see, you know, good the good and the bad, um, you know, at a bigger minimum. Uh, you know, they, they keep me keep me from, from blowing a ga gasket just because I know I have to – have to set the example for them and I have to be a good dad. There's two things that I often think about uh, that dads, especially ones that like haven't, aren't very humble. Maybe if their ego is still on pretty well, that we rec we won't be, we won't recognize that our own story can help our kids walk through theirs. So like a lot of times, like I'm, my daughter's a little bit young, but just starting to get kind of the age of bullying and kids not being nice and picking on her. And I'm, getting more to the, where I start to talk about my time in a kid is going through school and I was bullied. Like there is a lot of just validation when you share your own story. And a lot of dads hide the, 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 the bad side of, or what they don't want their kids to be exposed to. But when you open that raw side of your life, you can help your son or daughter walk through that. And there's, there's always good and bad. And even if I do lose my cool, I've always, um, at night when I'm tucking them in, I'll always apologize for whatever I did as my action because I want them to recognize that you're, you're, you're imperfect, you're human. And um, as long as you're willing to come back and ask for forgiveness, then you can learn from that. But it's the, 
when you have the ego that you're always right and you only have one side of a life, which is the one that you're having now, which is you're wise and you're all smart. But we all had stories of where we come from in high school and there's just a lot of good wisdom to share with our kids because they need to to know that you also walked that road because then you have common ground to talk about something and they feel safe coming to you with the next problem they have. Yeah, and, and my I've learned now that I have two teenagers that there's a lot of deception and and hide you know from parents you know you know and I remember when the kids were we were going through DVD collections you know and and movies that we can't see them and and, and even before like IMDb it's like okay they can't watch this movie and and we've gotten to that point where we don't I we don't want I don't want, I don't want to shelter them as much because. I feel that's, you know, we're just giving, we're, we're not giving them a chance to toughen up because um, mm-hmm. the world is a world is a, a tough place. And uh, I think it's most important as long as the, the, the truth comes from you first, that's the most critical part. Like yeah, you can, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not one. Can, yeah. But you want to make your wisdom the first one they hear versus someone on the playground. Yeah. And just like you said, I'm, I'm I'll be the first to apologize if I, you know, I have no, no problem admitting when I, when I've done something wrong or there's a fault involved. And, and I think sometimes that's with children, even if you have to apologize with my oldest, if he does something silly, which unfortunately is, is more, more often than, than not, uh, you know, you can get upset with them and just say, you know, and I, I hated when my parents used to tell me like, you know why you're in trouble? Like, no, half the time I didn't. Um, so it's not even as like, I, I'm sorry I had to get on to you, but you understand why I got on to you, I think is, has a lot of weight with a teenager of, you know, if you don't understand why, please explain to me how I can better parent you. Um, and I think that we don't miss that, or I think a lot of parents may miss that with, you know, disciplining their children that, you know, it's not necessarily the punishment that we're speaking of is the, the life lesson you know did they learn did they learn from your mistake of how you you know may have disciplined or did they learn why mm-hmm. there was a reason for a discipline so there's a lot of humility in that as a parent and, and learning uh you know how far and with the, in the dog world we talk about titration level how much pressure the dog could actually take before they they snap or they break uh either break their they're the obedience and the control and they, they lash out or you break their demeanor and their, their disposition where they shut down. And, and that's a fine line with, with teenagers, but definitely just as a parent, um, as you have more than one child, it's, you've got to te- you've got to discipline and you've got to take into account that they're, they're different. Every child, so I have five of them. Trust me. They're all, you can't punish or teach any, any of them the same as another. Mm-hmm. I always like to, to use the analogy that, that or remind my kids, like, you know how you're trying to figure out how to be seven? Well, daddy's still trying to figure out how to be 34. Like, no matter what age you're at, you're still trying to figure out. So, like, and then I also, let's, I use that as, like, I give them grace because they're still trying to figure out how to be seven. And I'm still trying to figure out how to be 34. And there's, that's it, they're learning. So, you can't necessarily get upset for something for an age that they still haven't quite mastered. Yeah, and they remind me too much of my age. Like the, the, as I get the podcast, I got the grays and the beard and the gray all in my hair, and I get reminded too often how close to forty I am. Um, and I think we need to do that to them if we could somehow turn turn back the clocks on them and and say, well, well, think you've got all of puberty to go through, and that's not going to be fun. 
<laughs> no, I uh, I always wish they could make them wake up to like. Uh, it's always funny how the kids don't like naps, but as an adult, you're like, I wish I could have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, it's like you you should really enjoy these nap times more often because there's gonna be coming life where that's all you're gonna want, and you're gonna be envious of your kids getting their nap because as a burnt out parent or d- mom or dad, you're like, oh, I just want to go to bed. Meanwhile, you're oh, yeah, well, no, crazy and won't listen to you. We're we're really relaxed on bedtimes, and it, it, to us, bedtime is when I'm annoyed with you. Boy, it could be eight thirty, it could be nine thirty, but you know, bedtime is usually nine o'clock, ten o'clock for the older kids. But it really comes to the point where I'm, I'm ready to relax, and you haven't chilled yet. It's time to go to bed. Yep, <laughs> that's that's the cutoff for me. You need to disappear. Yeah, I'm tired of parenting today. I'm I am off the clock. I put in my twelve hour day. Go to sleep. So let's change gears a little bit. What has you most excited in your Zemper Kate Nutting uh, business? Um, honestly, well, I guess probably to me, the biggest thing is just we've got this, we've got a lot of stuff coming up in 2019 that is uh, almost a culmination of the last really three and a half years of, of effort. And that's building up that we're, we've got a really good um, core of volunteers that are training our service dogs and now we've gotten to the point where we've we've we filled that model up so much that we have to build this facility um and it's i keep telling i told our board of directors and i tell some of our volunteers too is like we've got to either hit the brakes or upshift because we're going to blow the transmission if we keep going at the speed we're going um, That's a good analogy so the thing i'm excited most is is getting this facility it's we've we've seen you know, we we'll see the, the efforts of our labor um, come together um, really fast uh, and essentially gearing up for 2020 because, you know, our last, the last two graduations that we've had this year, we've graduated um, like seven service dog teams so far, seven or eight this year, um, probably another four or five before the end of the year. And it probably will, it'll be one of our bigger years, but we have the most, we have almost 18 dogs in training right now, which is the most we've ever done. Um, and seeing how our model is, is getting a lot of attention from other service dog providers that are, that are nonprofits around the U S and, and around the world that are seeing, Hey, the, the super canine model of the national and the community model of training service dogs for veterans is, is a tip of the spear. You know, it's the upper echelon of how it should be done on a very effective manner and, and, and show that, you know, either through our financials and our 990s on the website and, you know, our budgets that we're approving and, and what we're spending every year that, you know, every community can, can get together as long as you got an organization that's ran with a, with a, either with a good mission and good people running it that, you know, you can, you could do a lot with minimal amount, minimal financial backing with, as long as you have the manpower, that sweat etiquette to go, that sweat etiquette to go with it. Um, and so the big thing about t- but 2019 for us is putting that facility in place that will really show that, Hey, there's a good demonstration of how a nonprofit provides really top of the line service dogs for disabled veterans with, with minimal restrictions on, you know, the type of dog, the type of veteran, the type of disability and, and how much money we want to say that dog costs to train. Um, You know, all that stuff is second nature to me. You know, I, I'm going to take, take that dog and train them to the best abilities and now i've gotten such a core what we call them canine coaches which is their service dog training instructors um that uh 
they're teaching their own classes. I don't have to, I'm not having to teach, you know, 30, 40 classes a month. You know, they're able to teach it and bring in the new volunteers and this facility will give them a place to do that. Um, you know, and be able to expand our operations to really fine tuning our dogs to make them even better. Um, and potentially even help more veterans and more families. Um, but that's going to be the, the, essentially the culmination of the last five years of effort for Super Canine to say, here's, here's a finished model of a top of the line service dog provider. So I'm going to challenge you on your own advice. When you close your eyes, what do you see in 10 years? Oh man. Um, what are you running towards? The problem with that question is, <laughs> is there's two paths that Cyprian is probably going to uh, travel down uh, in 2020, and one of those paths is going really big, um, you know. And in 10 years, that would mean we'd be, we probably would be one of the premier service dog providers in, in America, nonprofit or or any anyone. Uh, or I see a, a much more humble, uh, you know. Uh, a smaller, you know, um, specialized service dog provider. Um, it really, to me, it's depending on how much I'm willing to gamble. Uh, so in 10 years, Simpercam will definitely be doing the mission that we're doing now, probably at a much grander scale. Um, I don't imagine many more than 50 service dog teams a year. Cause that's, a, that, that is a lot, uh, you know, for any, any organization I think to manage, um, you know, without, Without reducing your um, reducing your product, the, the success of your product. So, who knows? I say in ten years, where these podcasts, you know, will be daily. You know, of of us instructing, you know, and and giving guidance to other organizations. And but, you know, really, if I say in ten years, we're doing almost the exact same thing, just a little better. You know, and I think that's the humble side that I want to stay on, and not say that we're going to be this grand service dog organization, which is an easy path mm -hmm. to go. But I think it's, it's, I prefer to I think stay humble and say that, you know, we're, 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 we're doing really good work, you know, at, at a, a steady pace. I think I'll get well, some you said, your, your kids are going to be almost, army on your kids are going to be almost done when they're 50. So by the time you're 50 and your kids no longer want to hang out with you as much, and most of your kids are off already, I mean, you might even have a grandchild by when you're 50 in 10 years. <laughs> there's probably going to be a world where Semper K9 is a sustainable organization on its own with the right leadership that you're not as part of the day-to-day, -day, where you're more of a consultant for other K9 um, investments or K9 institutions, and you're more helping others achieve the same level of success. And you're in a different season of life where you're not so hands-on, but you're helping others get to where you were. Yeah. My, all my children have, uh, have expressed interest in the, either the veteran or the giving world. I think, uh, I've got one that wants to be, uh, I know she wants to be a, uh, a nurse, but I don't think she quite knows what she wants to be as far as a nurse. Cause she wants to be a nurse for people and for animals. Um, yeah. But, and I joke around, we, we say super uh, feline, super equine, you know, that we'll, we'll take super canine even farther if, if the kids do. And my, my oldest son has his eyes on, you know, um, you know, some form of military academy. You know, I, I, I'd love to see him go to Annapolis, but, 
you know, he said uh, VMI, you know, uh, even West Point. I don't, I don't, to me, I don't really care. I'd love, I joke, man and I joke around that we'd, I'd love to see uh, our oldest son as the commandant of the Marine Corps. And then our youngest son is like the, the, uh, the commanding officer of the MARSOC or something like that. You know, I've tried to push them to go the officer route just for, for sake Pure of easiness. Well, we've, I've, <laughs> our family have done enlisted, you know, between the Kazi family and the Beatty family, we've, we've covered the enlisted ranks pretty well, you know, in all, almost all the branches, uh, you know, within my family, I was the first Marine, but I've got a cousin, uh, two cousins, one that was in the army, one that was in the Navy. And then my wife's family, she's the, hers is the first generation going back uh, to the, the revolutionary war that did war revolutionary war that didn't have a Kazi in conflict and and i mean i joke around man that's why she had to marry me she had to keep the the kazi and the kazi family uh uh name going and i'd hate to see my children have to go to combat but um my youngest boy you know he, he wants to be a dog trainer and then my youngest daughter you know they love when we get new puppies in which is regularly uh, i think Probably once a month, we've got one to two, one to three new puppies coming through, um, you know, uh, starting the program that we get for two weeks to six weeks. And they're always very involved with it. It's, uh, you know, part of our life is taking care of dogs and it's just part of the lifestyle that they go through. And I'd love to see them follow that. But, you know, we have, uh, I several volunteers that, uh, you know, we consider family that, 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 uh, have worked with us for five years, four and five years. And, uh, you know, I see them, you know, taking up helm uh, within Super Canine, and I'd love to see my children, you know, maybe take over my job uh, one day. Uh, but if they go out and become doctors, you know, I'd love to have a doctor baby in the family. Uh, so I'm going to let them, I'm going to give them the wings to fly and, and let them navigate, the, let them pilot their life uh, the best they can and, and hope that I can just leave something behind for someone. If it's not my children, then, you know, one of our volunteers and one yeah. of our adopted you know, you know, Cipro Canine family. Uh, I'd love to see Cipro Canine be be here and, and be a you know the name for you know great dog training and great animal behavior and and certain you know, animal assisted activities. Uh, you know, in fifty years, you know, and when I'm fifty, I joke around with our volunteer. I'd love to be up there on a porch smoking a cigar and screaming across the field, "You're doing it wrong!" You know. And, <laughs> And, uh, you know, and let me come down there and cane or wheelchair my way down and show them how to train. Well, a hopefully dog. you're not in a wheelchair uh, at 50. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Well, you got enough deployments in the road back. I've, um, I joked that, you know, I loved when it was my left knee and my right knee, not my good knee and my bad knee. And when I could bend over and pick some up off the ground without making an exclamation about how, how far to the ground it is. Growing up, I was like, I want to be tall. And now that I'm sick, you know, over six feet, I'm like, yeah. And I was like, crap, things on the ground are way far down there i gotta bend over and get it five eight i've always wished if there was a pill i could take to be taller i would definitely take it you remind uh, yeah, me yeah but what you get there's a lot of body to be moving around uh, i gotta uh i've in my 30s and, and i hope my 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 family is not an athletic family and neither is my uh, amanda's family we're we're, we're doers and we're blue collar people if you will um and uh i've been trying to get into uh races and off-roading and i did the marathon the marine corps marathon last year and i'm gonna do the 10k this year i've done several 8ks and 10ks and, and run amucks and some some crossroad challenges and, and things that uh pushed my physical limitations and i still feel that i'm uh, i'm still as strong or, or 
you know, maybe a little, little stronger than I was as an active duty Marine. I just don't have the physical endurance to do what I did back there in my twenties, but staying active is, I wish something all my fan, you know, all my kids did, but they're, I was like, my kids are allergic to sweating. It feels like they don't, they don't like to sweat. So I have to do these things on my own. And I'd love to be able to finish a marathon with one of my kids, you know, in my fifties or sixties and one of my children, I'd love to be able to do something like that with them in the future. So we'll see. I'd love them to go do whatever they want, but daddy's going to need to get taken care of in his, his later years. I'm sure. Yeah. You reminded me of some advice that Andy Stump gave on episode 19 that uh, to give your kids the widest view of the American dream as possible. Like I you, love you that, want them yeah. to, to do whatever they want, but as fathers, we have an obligation and even just an opportunity just to expose them to the widest view of the American dream that's possible. Let them see all the opportunity that's possible, which is even what you're doing with your business. Like they can create opportunity from nothing if they see that they fit into a space that's not being occupied. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of how Super Canon was, was born was, you know, my career, my success, you know, with dogs. And, and I hit a, hit a point where I didn't, I didn't like working for other dog trainers, you know, not to say I, you know, I could do it better, but I really hit that point where I said, I can do this better. Um, you know, and here's, here's several examples of how I can do it better and how I've done it better. And, you know, filling a niche, you know, in a, I say a specialized industry, you know, within this, the animal training world, which is, you know, providing service dogs for those who either can't afford it or there isn't even that specialty. You know, there's, when I fell into the service dog world, there wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't accommodation of mental health mobility dogs. There were dogs that we were trained for people in wheelchairs, people with, with severe physical limitations, you know, and, and ones that were, you know, severe post-traumatic stress, rear tra traumatic brain injury that were in medication was not working for whatever reasons, you know, that the treatment that plan that they had with their doctors just was not successful. And, and I saw, Hey, I can, I can do this. You know, I can, I can. And, and I got, Luckily enough that, you know, I got uh, interviewed by a national nonprofit with, with the time and money to spend and the, the sponsor and the backing to say, we want to, we want to let this Marine, you know, run with as far as he can pilot program and see how big he can take it. And, and that's where Super Canine came from and said, okay, here's within this uh, region, here's the commodities we have access to. Here's this training plan that I've developed, here's the skills, you know, uh, that the dogs can be trained for. And here's the literature and the, the background to pr prove the efficacy of service dogs for these types of disabilities. And here's how we can reproduce that product over and over and over into the fact that we're putting out multiple, you know, versions and generations of this you know, evolving product that's getting better and better to, you know, and saying, Hey, we've created an industry that did not exist mm -hmm. 10 years ago or four, six years ago. And, and showing that to my children say, Hey, you know, my, my oldest son, and I, I, I used him as an example probably too often, but he's the, he's the easiest one to, to compare to that. He has gone through a lot of phases of creativity and you could see how he's, he's developed this, this style of, of undertaking that he is good at and telling him, Hey, you know, plug that into an industry that you, you know, you can succeed in or create that industry. If it doesn't exist, then, you know, that is what inventors did. They saw a need, they saw a desire and a, and a use of a product 
product or, or, or a service and they filled that, uh, that void, you know, and, and to me, whether, you know, I don't think I could patent a mental health service dog, but that's what I feel like I've done. And, and, you know, I'd love my children, you know, if he's able to take even what I've done, you know, and I'd love to say, you know, I don't want you to follow my footsteps. I want you to step farther than I can. And, and my great, one of my great favorite quotes to, to talk about that I've kind of lead my life by is, you know, that, that an, I believe Newton mentality of, you know, if I've seen farther than others, cause I stood on the shoulders of giants. I know it's paraphrased, but you know, I, I'd love my son or any of my children or anyone that I encountered. Hey, stand on my shoulders. I want you to do, I want you to say, you know, if you overtake the Beatty name or you overtake the separate canine name and say, I, I, I've evolved this into something better than if I, even though I'm a footnote in history, that's I'm, I'm willing to be a footnote and a, a B in parentheses at the bottom, you know, evolved from this, then, you know, if my children do it, if not, then anybody, you know, I, I pride myself in teaching what I've learned and, and, you know, do it better than me. You know, if I'm an inventor, invent something better than what I did. Take my product and make it, make it even better. And that's what I think we, we do as fathers and we do as, you know, any, you know, business leader, anybody managing a, a even a, a restaurant, you know, take that product and make it better. And that's what I, that's what I'd love to do. And I love my kids to do. I love that. And another thing that I got from Andy Stump was he described it as, so as a Navy SEAL, he was effectively trained to be the, the, the strongest fighting killer that America has to offer. But the effectiveness of what he was able to achieve was how far his rifle could fire. And that was it. No matter how much he trained, he could only be as effective as a round could travel. As a father, your round can literally travel generations into the future. And that's essentially what you're talking about is your, your ability to impact effectiveness is generational when you're a father, but your best day in the military is still the limitation of the M16. I love that. That's, that's a good comparison. Although even a missile, if you're thinking of a missile, a missile is only as effective as how far it can go. Like all of that has some finite number attached to it. That's, that's it. You can be the best drone pilot in the world, but you can only do as far as your drone can fly. Yeah. I'd love to be able to compare uh, a weapon system to a dog and, and say, yep, well we can even, you know, like easy comparison with dogs to see what dogs did in, you know, the, you know, Roman, you know, leading up to World War I and World War II, you know, a huge advancement, but it does take a lot of time, a lot of fine, fine crafting. Mm -hmm. uh, and a but, dog that you give uh, to the right person could literally change that family forever. And, and you have no idea what that family will achieve by helping their dad come home with. Yeah, I think the, the, a great lesson from that is to not be the M16 to your child. Don't be their limitation by like we talked about earlier, you know, um, you know, keeping them from the real world and, and, and trying to sugarcoat things that, you know, this is life and this is, you know, and I think, uh, that's a good point to that. Just don't be the, don't be the limitation for your children. Yeah, I like to spin on that. It has a nice uh, ending to it. Yeah. So Chris, as we wrap up, what's a parting piece of advice you want to leave for military dads? Uh, be definitely be involved. You know, you're, you know, I, 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 when I talk to veterans, you know, or when, when the question is posed to me, you know, what, what advice would you give? You know, I always say, educate yourself. You know, you, you know, I hate to say you have to be, and I've used this phrase a couple of times, you know, you have to be the smartest person in the room and, and then you have to find another room because you've got to, you've got to go beyond that. If you're the smartest person in, in that room, 
you're in the wrong room. Um, and you know, for those fathers out there, you know, being involved, being, you know, you want to be the smartest person in your child's life, but you know, your goal is to make them smarter than you, you know, teach them everything you you've learned. And I think, you know, if I was to, if I'd say anything is exactly what we were just talking about is, is don't be the limitation for your children. Um, be a, be an, an example and be a conduit for them to be the Elijah best person they can. Um, to, to, but to, to be, be example to other people around you and, and homage to the Marine Corps. If, if, you know, I spent, you know, a, a vast majority of my adulthood, um, you know, tied to the Marine Corps and the, the teachings of, you know, leadership principles, leadership traits. And, and my, always my favorite have been tact, you know, dependability and then set, set the example, you know, if that's the fifth leadership principle and, and, uh, if any father leads with anything and, and you could be awesome at whatever you want, you know, and be great at whatever you think you can be great at, but be an example. You know, if you want your children to, to be successful, then be successful or be as successful as you can be and let them be, let them stand on your shoulders and let them don't be a limitation to them. Let them be the best that they can be. That's too much of an army plug there. Yeah, you, commitment. you were good yeah. and then i was thinking i was like your drill instructors would be proud that you remembered that that was number five and then you, you plugged it at the end with the army you went to the opposite side of the marine corps spectrum yeah there's uh i i work with so many soldiers i spent two deployments in, in the, with the army um with the uh the 51st engineer battalions out of Leonardwood. uh and i went to mp school up at fort Leonardwood, and you know a lot of marine corps school i went to you know canine school with, with the air force and and now i I think we did we did some uh, statistics the other day and did a survey and it's you know I'd probably say 25% of the veterans that we work with aren't either Marine Corps or Army and it's almost split from those remaining veterans it's almost split right down the middle between Marines and veterans because of how many of them had to go had to deploy uh, you know and I think there's and because I I you know. I went and saw an army recruiter before joining the Marine Corps and I, the uniforms were a big turn off for me. But the fact that I couldn't be a dog handler, that my best bet was to be an MP and then in four years, maybe I could be a dog handler or, you know, take some college classes before joining the army, you know, and then become a vet tech, which was not appealing to me at all. And, uh, you know, kind of, I spent so much time with the army. I've, you know, they have such good phrases, you know, and, and I saw a, something that I shared about, you know, that kind of argument between the Marine Corps and the, and the army, especially with combat and dog handlers is, you know, big fish, big pond, little fish, little pond, you know, however you want to look at it. But, you know, if there was a way to combine, you know, a special force in the Marine Corps and a special force in the army and make, you know, make a new branch of the service, that would be, that would definitely be a fighting force to reckon with because there's a lot of, similarities and comparisons between both branches that would would definitely make for for some mm -hmm. for some crazy crazy stories and some crazy uh, accomplishments i think but i know it probably couldn't be done and, and veterans are always going to pick you pick on pick on each other about their boot camps and their branches yep. service and you know the marine corps always got that we get to fight with the army because it's easy to fight with them all the other branches are just yeah they're just you know, there. hey thanks for helping us out 
but I love all, I love all my service service members. We get to work with all different branches and I get to learn, I get to learn things that I would have never learned in the Marine Corps, uh, you know, for, you know, life lessons and things that those branches have provided as leadership and as, as education to the, all their service members and all the veterans who come out of those branches. And I get to benefit from, from all sides of that. So I get to hopefully be better at understanding our veterans and, and, you know, and I think if anything, that's what I, I can continue to learn into my twilight years um, to make myself a better person and maybe a better example. And, and I get to secretly don't get, I, I get to get made fun of that from other Marines because I'll use army terms and I get, you know, made fun of from the army for, for the Marine Marine Corps uh, traditions and, and keeps you humble and what, yeah, but it definitely keeps me humble, makes me better. And, and, and I think it just builds that camaraderie that, you know, we're all, we all had a good fight. We all volunteered for this. We all, you know, for the sake of the American people, we're all countrymen, you know, we're all, mm -hmm. we're all veterans. You know, I love, I don't mind that warrior term and I don't want that war fighter and that, you know, that, that Marine and that soldier, but we're all countrymen, you know, and I think mm. that homage back to the revolutionary war and, you know, even a civil war, what, you know, countrymen fighting countrymen and we're all together and, you know, if Semper Canine does anything, that's that's what we do is we, we help our fellow veterans, our fellow countrymen be better at what they're doing. And, and I'm looking forward to keep doing that for as long as, as long as the, the industry exists, as long as Semper Canine wants me to do it, I'm going to keep doing it. Well, I absolutely love your mission. Chris, where's the best place if people want to connect with Semper Canine? We're, we're on all social medias. Our website is, I love our website, SemperK9.org. Um, and we're, we have a lot of programs. We have a lot of things. We're, we're, we're a national organization, although we are in um, Northern Virginia. Uh, but we, we provide dogs all over the country. I have, I have dogs. I have a dog in Hawaii, a dog in Japan, a dog that is in uh, Europe regularly and all over the U S but, uh, um, the website, social media, just sharing our mission, share, you know, signing up for our newsletter on our website. If you're in this area, please check us out. We have tons of opportunities to, to be involved, to learn about our mission, to maybe train a service dog for, for a veteran or help us spread awareness, the, 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 the benefit of service dogs, you know, for disabilities or, you know, just the camaraderie that, you know, the community has available to them for this, the veterans, um, there are a lot of veterans in Virginia, but there's, there's, I guarantee you, no matter where you live in the U S there is a veteran living in your community who may or may not use your help. He may or may not know that, you know, there's things that he has access to and, and spreading our mission to those veterans who could benefit from us or benefit from any veteran service organization that's doing, doing something that veteran could benefit from, uh, and helping out, you know, nonprofits, you know, there's, there's a benefit from, you know, you know, just knowing what's going on in the community and, and let's break the wheel. Let's get, you know, not to give a homage to game of Thrones there at all, you know, but you know, let's, let's get out there and let's be involved. Let's educate ourselves with who's in our community and let's, let's better ourselves as, as Americans. Let's better ourselves by understanding other Americans, understanding how Americans are helping each other and how, you know, you as an American could, be helped by being involved with your community, be involved with nonprofits, be involved with, be just be involved, get, get out there and do something. 
Well, I absolutely love everything you do. And I'm positive we brought a few dads home with this episode. Chris, thank you for this time this afternoon. And thank you for coming on the show. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.